you would turn in your Old Testament to Isaiah chapter 55. We're going to con continue a lesson this morning that I began last week. I, I said at the outset of last week's lesson that this uh, sermon originally was going to be a, a one verse. I was going to focus on one verse, and that's Isaiah chapter 55 and, and, and verse 8, but it grew beyond that into a lesson essentially on the entire chapter focusing on certain sections. But then it grew beyond that to two lessons. Um, that just sometimes happens. In fact, one of the challenges I think I face at, at this point in, in my life as a preacher is, is not letting my, my sermons take on a life of their own so that they grow beyond what I originally in, intended them to be and they become a little bit confusing, maybe even to myself. But this is a very special chapter that is Isaiah chapter 55 because it speaks to the matter of, of seeking the Lord. And I said last week that as you study the scriptures, as you come to have a deeper understanding of, of what God wants, you, you, you reach the, the point of realization that sometimes we, we miss the mark, not in specifics, but in general, in that we fail to see that what God is seeking is a relationship. He's not just looking for people who are religious. You know, religion in and of itself is, is not, not a goal. And there are people that, that practice false religion. Paul, Paul wrote or, or referred to those in, in Athens as being very superstitious. They were religious in a lot of different matters, but their religious thoughts and their religious views took them in a wrong direction. So religion is a part of Christianity, as we might properly use the word, but it, it's, it's more about a relationship with God. It, it's about seeking Him, and that's what this chapter is about. Without, without taking the time to review the history of the nation of Israel, as I did briefly last week, suffice it to say, that at this point in the history of God's chosen people, judgment was inevitable. They were going to be taken. The southern kingdom of Judah was going to be taken into Babylonian captivity. And, and when you read about how all that judgment worked itself out in reality, you, you can understand why the prophets not only had a message of the judgment, the prophets were sent not only to turn the people back to God, but the prophets were sent to let it be known that God wasn't through. It, it, it would appear that this was the end. I mean, when Jerusalem, which represented the dwelling place of God, was destroyed, if, if you're a Jew, what are you thinking? If you're a Jew who has been taught from, from a very early age, that there is a Messiah who would come through God's chosen people. What's going through your mind now? Is this, is this putting the end to the, the promise that God would, would, would bless all nations through the seed of Abraham? How is He going to do that when, when His dwelling place lies in ruins? Well, the prophet's message to the Jews in captivity as they would pick up the book of Isaiah and other books of prophecy in captivity or those who, who would live in the years between the, the captivity and, and the coming of the Messiah, they would read these books of prophecy. 
and they would realize that the Messiah will still come. God's going to preserve this, this righteous remnant. And He's going to send the Messiah. And all would be blessed through the work of that Messiah. But this, this chapter speaks to the matter of seeking God. And just quickly going through what we looked at last week, in, in the, the beginning of this section, beginning at verse 6, we saw that there was an invitation. The invitation is to seek the Lord. The invitation is to call upon Him. But there was also a requirement that came with that invitation. And that is to forsake, that is, the, the wicked, his way, and the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Now, I want you to think, and we're going to really see this and focus upon this as we move forward in our lesson this morning, the way and the thoughts. The way and the thoughts of man. Where will man's way, where will man's thoughts take us? Well, continuing, and, and we're going to come back to that, but continuing, he also said, not only are you, are you to seek the Lord, not only are you to forsake your way and your thoughts, but you're to return. Well, that's repentance. That's a change of mind that leads to a change of action. And there is this promise of forgiveness. God is a God of compassion. And He will have compassion on the one who returns. He is a God of forgiveness. He will abundantly pardon those who seek Him. So as I said at the outset, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. It's about fellowship with God. And what drives one to have that fellowship with God is this desire to be forgiven. It's, it's this desire to have eternal life. Now, there are four fours. F-O-R, not F-O-U-R. There are four, F-O-U-R, fours, F-O-R, in verses... 8 through the end of this chapter. And that's where we're going to go now in asking the question, why seek the Lord? It's not just about seeking the Lord, but why seek the Lord? And Isaiah answers that question. God answers that question through the message of Isaiah. You'll notice in verse 8, it begins with the word for. Isaiah 55. Verse 9 begins with the word for. That's the second for. Verse 10 begins with the word for, that's the third for. And then verse 12 begins with the word for, that's the fourth for. So what Isaiah is letting it be known, what he is speaking to the Jews, the chosen people of God, is this is why you need to seek the Lord. You need to seek the Lord because you want to be forgiven. You need to seek the Lord because you can find with God in a relationship with Him forgiveness of sin. But here are some reasons. And I've combined the first two fours or the first two reasons into one because they're so similar. And this is in verses 8 and 9. God said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. Now I said earlier, notice thoughts, notice ways. Thoughts have to do with the mind. It has to do with the heart. Ways have to do with lifestyle. You're not going to think the way I think. 
You're not going to live the way I live unless you make a choice. And you should make a choice to seek the Lord for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. On top of that, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So, the first point of emphasis here is you should seek the Lord. You should seek the Lord because His ways and His thoughts are superior to man's ways and to man's thoughts. Well, let me just say, all those verses are not supposed to come up at the same time. I even went over this before the sermon back there with the guys so that they would pop up one at a time. I don't know why. All of a sudden, they transition and now everything's up there. That was not my intention. But that's okay. Now you have ample time to write them all down. So, it begs the question. It begs the question. Are you going to pursue God's will or man's will? If God's thoughts and God's ways, which are a reflection of His will, are superior to the ways and the thoughts of man, the ways and the thoughts of man being a reflection of man's will, why would you choose to live in accordance with how man thinks and how man lives as opposed to the way God thinks and the way God would have you live? And you're going to make that choice, incidentally. You may, you may think, well, I, I'm, just not, I'm just going to be neutral. It's like my car. I'm, just, I'm not going to put it in drive. I'm not going to put it in, in park. I'm not going to put it in reverse. I'm just going to put my life in neutral. Well, you can't do that. If, if you decide that you're not going to choose God's way, then by default, you have chosen man's way. If you're not going to bring yourself to a point at which you admit that the, the thoughts and the ways of God are superior to the thoughts and the ways of man, you have by default chosen the thoughts and the ways of man. Now, let's look at where each one takes us. Let's, let's consider the thoughts and the ways of man. Well, you go back to Genesis chapter 6. This was touched upon in, in Jack's class this morning. But, but where did man's thinking take him? Where did man left to his own devices? Where did man go? Verse 5, Genesis chapter 6, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So you see, his lifestyle is described as being wicked. That's his ways. But also, the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. 
that's where man's thinking, that's where man's lifestyle takes him. It takes him to the point of inevitable judgment. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Because he chose the higher path. He chose to live in accordance with the thoughts and the ways of God instead of the thoughts and the ways of the society of which he was a part. You see the same thing in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 21. Now go to Jeremiah chapter 19. This is another interesting statement that I think that, that, that speaks to this point about what happens when man chooses to follow his own path and, and where that's going to take him. Genesis chapter, I'm sorry, Jeremiah chapter 19 and verse 4. Notice here, Jeremiah chapter 19 and verse 4. Speaking of the condition of the people at that time and why the judgment was inevitable. Because they have forsaken me and they have made this an alien place and have burned sacrifices in it to other gods that neither they nor their forefathers nor the kings of Judah had ever known. And because they have filled this place with the blood of the innocent and they have built high places of, of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal. Now look at the statement. A thing which I never commanded or spoke of, nor did it ever enter my mind. God never spoke of this, nor did it ever enter his mind. But man left to his own devices chose to worship false gods. Man left to his own thoughts, his own ways chose to sacrifice their children. There was no value placed on human life. That's where man, his thoughts, his ways, will take mankind. As you look at that statement, the statement that, that this never entered my mind, well, does it really matter? In the world of religion today, we may, we may say, well, this is not a part of God's Word. You can't read it in the Bible. Does it really matter? Well, if it's not in the Bible, that tells us that it did not enter the mind of God, nor did He choose to reveal it. And yet man takes it upon himself to elevate his thoughts, his ways, above God. And where does that take us? Where does that take us every time? In Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 35. Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 35. Continuing this vein of thought. They built the high places of Baal that are in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire to Molech, which I had not commanded them, nor had it entered my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. This is why the judgment was coming. What do you want to, what do, you want to do? You, you want to follow God's way or do you want to follow man's way? You see, man in his wisdom cannot come to the knowledge that leads to eternal life. In 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 21, this is very clearly stated by Paul, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. You cannot, of your own accord, say, this is what I've got to do to be saved. 
if, if you think you can devise a plan that's better than God's, then you're lifting your thoughts and your ways above His own. You see the problems that this creates. For example, in, in the book of 1 Corinthians, this was happening in the church. It was happening in the church at Corinth. They were, they were looking at everything that they had, even in terms of the blessings. And, and they were choosing to use them the way they wanted to use them. Spiritual gifts. They were abusing the spiritual gifts. They were making the Lord's Supper a common meal. So in their way of thinking, they were going beyond what had been revealed. They, had, they were going beyond God's ways, God's thoughts, and it was creating all kinds of problems. It was creating confusion and chaos in, in their worship. And you see how Paul addresses this in verse 36 of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Was it from you that the Word of God first went forth, or has it come to you only? What makes you think that you're the standard? God's Word didn't come from you only, nor did God's Word come to you only. If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. But if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. In other words, if you're not going to give, if you're not going to submit to apostolic authority, if you're not going to submit to the revealed will of God, then God's not going to recognize you. If you don't recognize the authority of His Word, God's not going to recognize you. Where does man's will take us? We see this also in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 21. Now this is a familiar passage where Jesus was teaching His disciples and He said to them, not, not everyone, verse 21, who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. You see, some are going to say, Lord, Lord. They know who Jesus is. But in matters of religious practice, they're going to elevate their thoughts and their ways above the revealed thoughts and ways of God. And what is the outcome? Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Your name cast out demons? Your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's the consequence. You're going to lose your, your, your eternal reward. You're not going to have eternal life. In Romans chapter 6, at, at a practical level, where, where has a sinful life, if you're living in rebellion to God, where has it taken you? Romans 6 verse 20. For when... You were slaves of sin. You were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. Why would you choose that path? But now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. Why not choose that path? Why not choose God's way, God's thoughts? For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you with me? You <laughs> see what I mean when I say uh, I start with one verse and pretty soon I begin to confuse myself. I hope you see the point. Why seek the Lord? It's because His ways are higher than your ways. 
his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And, and, and what's, the ch what's the choice? You either seek the Lord or you follow man's path. Where is God's path going to take you? Where is man's path going to take you? That's why you should seek the Lord. The second thing that he says here, yeah, we're going back to Isaiah, in the 55th chapter, Isaiah 55, verse 10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Now he's, he's, going to, he's going to say something else, isn't he? He leaves you hanging if that's the only thing you're going to look at. Well, look at the rain and the snow. When the rain falls, when the snow comes down, is it to no purpose? Is, is there no, no result that comes about whenever the rain and the snow fall? No, they do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Why seek the Lord? How do we seek the Lord? How do we seek the Lord? Well, we can, we can seek God in nature. God has revealed Himself in the creation. But you can't learn what you must do to be saved by studying a tree by studying a mountain. You, you can't learn that. So the way you seek the Lord is through His Word. My Word, as you come to seek me through my Word, that Word will not return empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Well, what does God want to accomplish? What does he want to accomplish in your life? What, what is the measure of success insofar as one who responds favorably to the word of the Lord? It's fruit. It's fruit. The rain, the snow come down, do not return without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. There's produce. God's Word produces something. And so I should seek the Lord knowing that in seeking Him, I'm going to seek Him through His Word and the result of that process, the result of that quest, is going to be fruit in my life. Now, in Isaiah chapter 46, going back to their situation, notice what the prophet states in verse 8 beginning Isaiah chapter 46. Remember this and be assured, recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Well, how do we know that there is no other God? Verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying my purpose will be established. And I will accomplish all my good pleasure. In other words, when I speak, my word is not going to go forth 
and not return to me. Whatever I say is going to happen will happen. And what God said to them that would happen, they're going to be judged. We can look back in the scriptures and we can see that judgment. Verse 11, calling a bird to pray from the east the man of my purpose from a far country. Truly I have spoken. Truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. Surely I will do it. Now he's speaking about the judgment that's going to come against Babylon, which was the instrument of his judgment. Okay, let's get to practical things. Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower, and the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil. This, was, this is the man who hears the word and he understands it. Now that's a New Testament Jesus way of saying you're seeking the Lord. When you're seeking the Lord, you're seeking Him through His Word. And that Word is not going to return empty. Indeed, the one who hears it and understands it, He brings forth fruit. He bears fruit. He brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. As you seek God in your life, you're going to bear fruit. We see evidence of this in the first century. Those who became Christians, what did they do? They shared their faith with others. Jesus told the apostles to go into all the world and preach the gospel. What happened in the next 30 years? They did that, and the entire creation, the Bible says, heard it. Romans 1 and verse 8, the church at Rome. Paul wrote of them, your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. What does that mean? That means that the word is bearing fruit. It did not return empty. In chapter 10, verse 14, chapter 10, verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written... How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good, good things. What happened is they did that. Look at verse 18 of Romans chapter 10. Their voice has gone out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. God's purpose, God's plan was being accomplished. It was not returning to him empty. In Colossians chapter 1, in writing to the church at Colossae, notice what Paul said about the gospel and, and what had happened and, and the fruit that was being born throughout the world. Verse 5, Colossians chapter 1. Verse 5, Colossians chapter 1. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you just as in all the world also, it is constantly bearing fruit in all the world. It is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. In verse 23, he says essentially the same thing. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven. God's word did not return to him empty. The word bears fruit. You should seek the Lord because as you do so, it will change your life and you will be in a position to change the lives of others. And the first century disciples understood that. 
Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. They went everywhere, everywhere preaching the word. They, they went everywhere preaching the word. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. Each one teach one. I seek the Lord because I want to see that fruit. I want to see that word bearing fruit. And then finally, I seek the Lord going back to Isaiah. You will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Now, don't you love the language of the prophets? Have you ever heard the trees clapping their hands? No, this is, this is prophetic language. And what the prophets do is they speak to us in figures of speech to describe certain conditions. Wouldn't it be great to live in a world where there is, is joy and, and there is peace and the mountains and the hills are breaking forth into shouts of joy and the trees of the field are clapping their hands. Why do we clap our hands? We're winning. This is a time of joy. This is a time of, of rejoicing. And instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up. Instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up. And it will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. I understand that the cypress and the myrtle are evergreens and they bring to mind life. The Jews in captivity, thinking of the righteous remnant and the plan and the purpose of God and as it became a reality... Getting back to the first part of that section we just read, this is the joy of the Exodus. Why seek the Lord? I seek the Lord because His ways are higher than my ways. I want to pursue His ways because of the consequences of doing so. I seek the Lord because I seek Him through His Word and that Word will bear fruit in my life. But then there's an Exodus. When we think of Exodus, we think of the Jews returning or, or the Jews leaving Egypt under the leadership of Moses. But there's another Exodus that was to take place after the Jews were taken into Babylonian captivity. There would be the Exodus as they returned under Cyrus, who was the king of Persia. There would be that exodus when they would go back and they would rebuild the temple, they would rebuild the walls, they would rebuild the city. And all of that was simply pointing forward to the time when God would send the Messiah. Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 7. How lovely on the mountains are the feet. This, this, we just read this in the book of Romans. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. They shout joyfully together, for they will see with their own eyes when the Lord restores Zion. Break forth, shout joyfully together, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. God in the return of the righteous remnant would bless all nations through the Messiah who would be a part of that righteous remnant. I'm going to skip ahead of Jeremiah chapter 29. 
as I seek the Lord, what am I seeking? What is it that I want? Jeremiah chapter 29, speaking to the Jews of what lie ahead, beyond the captivity. Jeremiah 29 verse 10, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years, there was a 70 year period of exile, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. You'll seek me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You will want to submit your ways to my ways, your thoughts to my thoughts, and I will be found by you. This is why we read in the book of Acts, when, when Philip went up to Samaria and he was preaching the gospel, they were rejoicing. This is why when the Ethiopian eunuch in verse 39 obeyed the gospel, he went on his way rejoicing. This is why Paul wrote in Romans 14 and 17 that the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's joy. It's joy. And if we don't have the joy of the exodus, our exodus being from the bondage of sin, then we have to ask the question, are we seeking the Lord? Because that truly is what it's all about. Okay. Go back and think about it. Go back and restudy it. Um, I just feel like I'm all alone. <laughs> Sometimes you get excited about something. It's just not easy to get other people excited about it. But, but I, I'm telling you, this, this matter of seeking the Lord from Isaiah chapter 55, go back and read that chapter. Read it, read it, and reread it. I'm done. Let's go to God now in prayer.